short portion of Mark chapter 4, the story of, of Jesus um, calming the sea, calming the, uh, the, the storm at, at sea. And, um, you know, there, there's, you've probably heard the, the prayer um, before. It's what I call it the prayer of optimism. The prayer of optimism starts out, dear Lord, thank you today um, that I have not lost my temper with anybody. Lord, thank you that today I have not gotten angry with anybody. I have not been rude. I have not been mean. I have not been thoughtless. Thank you, Lord, for these things. But in a few moments, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and I'm going to need all the help I can get. You know, here's the reality. We, we all have, know those kind of moments where we just, you know, you're facing the day and um, you know it's, it's going to be a doozy. It's, you know, you've got a lot of challenges, you've got a lot of struggles, you've got a lot of difficulties. You, you know, whatever, whatever you're facing in life, whether it's just the, the busyness of life or whether you're in some of those places where, where life is, is particularly hard, that you know that kind of when your foot hits the floor, the, the, the challenges are going to start to immediately, you know, face us. And, um, you know, how do, we, how do we navigate those places? How do we hold to faith and find strength in our faith in, in those moments? And so we turn to Mark 4, and we have this, this story that, as you'll see, and as you, you may know it, you may not, uh, the, the, the details are fairly simple, but the, the application, I think, is, in, is incredibly powerful. So let's, uh, again, go to the scripture, Mark chapter 4 beginning at verse 35. This comes on the heels of a day of teaching and the day of Jesus being with the crowds. And if you just glance at the, the chapter, the verses that precede this, you know, you see some of the teachings and some of the things that Jesus has said that may be familiar to you. But it says in verse 35, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. And the, the, the key word here is the very next one, leaving the crowd behind. Jesus needs retreat. He needs a little bit of a break. As leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up. Some translations say a terrible storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would hear your word to us, your, your voice speak to us, your, your spirit move within us. Open our hearts and, and shape us according to your word and the faith with which we have been trusted. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, I don't know that the day started like my prayer opening for the disciples, but it ends that way. 
That, that, that's the scene that is the, the central image of this text, is the disciples in the boat with the storms raging, the waves crashing, the, the boat a-rocking, um, basically the kind of situation you don't want to be in when you're on the water. Anybody ever been in a storm at sea? Anybody ever kind of faced that? Yeah, some of you, I can hear rumblings. Some of you got stories to tell, I can tell. That's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's miserable. I've had a few encounters, nothing where it was life-threatening, but I've had a few encounters in my life where I've been in boats that were getting rocked by sea. It can be physically very difficult. Um, I won't tell those stories. Um, but, but you can imagine, you know, when, what, what happens when, you, when, you, when you're seasick or, or just it can be on the other extreme. It can be, it can be frightening. It can be deadly. And, and Galilee is known, the area of Galilee is known for these storms that roll in over the sea. Those of you that, some of you I know who have been to the Holy Land. In fact, years ago when I was, when I took uh, a trip to the Holy Land, we were on the Sea of Galilee in one of the big kind of tour boats and a storm rolled in. And, and um, now again, I'm not trying, let me not over, overstate it. I don't want to use hyperbole. We weren't in any life-threatening situation, but it was uncomfortable. And, you know, and it came out of nowhere. Living in Florida, we know this. You can have a beautiful sunny day. Obviously, you can see one little dark cloud in the sky, and a couple minutes later, especially in the summer, you know, you've got it. It's rolled in on you, and it's on top of you. So, so that's what's happening. So this, this, this storm has rolled in, and the disciples are panicking. They're in an absolute panic. Now, this is significant because these are fishermen, at least some of them. They're familiar with this. They're not, they're not hacked out trying to figure out how to work a boat. They, they've done this. And, and they're out there, and they're trying to kind of navigate through through the storm. They're, they're trying to, to manage this crisis situation that, that has arisen. And into that, you've got this very significant and contrasting image that I want you to hold on to for a moment. Because the scriptures say it very, very clearly. As they're working, as they're bailing water, as they're doing whatever they need to do to manage the storm... It says that Jesus was asleep on the cushion. Now, again, let that sink in for a moment. It's crazy. Storm's coming in, boat's rocking, disciples are freaking. Jesus was sleeping. You ever known somebody that could sleep through anything? You know? There's a scene, there's a scene that some of you may remember the movie because it's like 20 years old now. It's crazy. Uh, My Cousin Vinny. Ever saw that? But there's a scene where where they he gets thrown in jail for contempt of court, and he and he tells his girlfriend, "Don't bail me out." And the next thing you know, because he hadn't been sleeping, they've got the scene, and you've got the, the prison sirens going on, and glass breaking, and and voices of a riot happening, and he's conked out on bed sleeping like a baby. Okay, that that kind of a thing. No matter how crazy it is, no matter how nuts it is, people say, "When I fly, I sit next to that person all the time." I can't sleep on a flight. I'm not a scared flyer. I don't get nervous. I just can't sleep. I can't be comfortable. And I'm always next to the person who sleeps like a baby, and it drives me nuts because I'm jealous. I want to sleep like that. You know, there's those. Well, that's, 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 Jesus was just sleeping in the midst of this craziness. In fact, some Christian traditions use this as evidence of the divinity of Jesus, that he had such trust in the Father, such trust in, in his relation, who he was, that that no matter what was going on in the world around him, he could find rest. We don't rest well. We don't. Most of us 
um, studies that one-third of Americans, 40% actually, a little over one-third of us are sleep-deprived. We don't get enough sleep. Now, sometimes there's physical reasons for that. Some of you, and sometimes we have problems sleeping for, for things that are beyond our control. But sometimes it's because life's crazy, because we can't shut our minds off, because we're worried, because we're stressed, because we're fearful, because we're filled with anxiety, and we can't find rest when we need it because we're aware of the waves and the storms and the threats that are all around us. The disciples would have been just, well, I wouldn't say just as tired as Jesus, as, sorry, just as tired as Jesus, but they would have been tired, but they have to just focus on what they're doing. Jesus sleeps. And so in this scene, they finally, and I can just imagine the sideways glances they're giving each other. Jesus is their teacher. He's their rabbi. They respect him. So for a while, they let this go on. But I can imagine as they're bailing and fixing sails or doing whatever they're doing, they're constantly doing the glance. You know, like at what point is he going to wake up? You know, at what point is the, the, the one who wanted us out here on the water going to wake up and help us get to the other side? So finally, they get to that point where they, they just they can't wait anymore. And they wake him up. And the question they ask him is fascinating. The question they ask him is, is really what we need to kind of stop and, and let sink in a little bit. And they ask him this, Master, don't you care if we die? Don't you care? Now, that's powerful because it's honest. I, I, I think it's, it's important to... To, to recognize that's a prayer. That, that's prayer. You know, we, we talked last week, we talked about water. I said some drank directly from the source, and those were the disciples. They, they received that living water that Jesus offered directly from Jesus. And so, so prayer, if we talk about prayer, we talk about prayer as conversation with God. The conversation with Jesus is, is prayer. And, and so they're, they're in, in many ways they're praying, but it's very interesting. Don't you care? They ask that question. And if, if some of us are honest with ourselves this morning, if we're honest with God, we've, we've prayed that prayer. May not have been on our knees with our eyes closed, but we've prayed that prayer in the mi- mo- m- midst of our storm. Lord, don't you care? Can't you see what's going on here? Don't you care? And, and I'm just I'm fascinated by that because of what they've seen. They've been with Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the healings. They've seen the, um, the, the way that he has blessed and touched and changed lives. And yet, they don't ask him for a miracle. They don't even ask him to pray. It's interesting. If you contrast the story with Jonah, if you, if you remember the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, before he's swallowed by the, by the big fish, you know, remember that the, the storm comes, God sends the storm, and the, the boat's rocking and, and in, in dire straits. And the sailors and those who, want to, who are not believers, the scriptures say that they, they, they were pagans. They wake up Jonah, and they ask him to pray. Jonah, pray. You know, pray maybe your God will deliver us from this. The disciples don't ask Jesus to do that. They just kind of, don't you care? response to that, Jesus stands and he rebukes the wind and the waves. 
Spirit and be calm to stand. And some translations said that when the disciples saw this, they were terrified. They were terrified. Because what had happened is something they didn't even imagine Jesus was able to do. What they witnessed is something that, that it's almost as if they, they understood that Jesus had healed some people who had been sick or, or given sight to some people that had been blind. But this was beyond his capability. This was beyond even what Jesus could do. I mean, this is nature. This is the wind. This is the rain. They couldn't imagine that Jesus could do this. So when he does, it terrifies them that he could have this much authority, this much power, this much command over the elements of nature. And what it reveals is that even after all they've seen, even after all they've heard, even after all they've experienced, at this point, they still don't know who Jesus is. They still don't recognize who it is that's in the boat with them. They have not come to yet embrace the fact that he is the very one who spoke into existence the very winds and the rains, the seas now calm, that he is the very God of very gods. They just don't recognize him yet. There's a, there's a YouTube video of a concert violinist by the name of Joshua Bell. And um, he was in Washington, D.C., I think this was a few years ago. And he was there to do some concerts that people were paying hundreds of dollars to go see. I mean, just one of these kind of classically trained virtuosos that would fill, you know, the concert halls. And he went down, and they filmed him doing this. He went down into the subway system in Washington. Maybe you've seen this. With a, a, with a violin appraised at $3.5 million. And he began to play. And thousands of people walked by. Seven stopped to listen. Played for 45 minutes. Seven stopped to listen. One was a three-year-old child. One person recognized him. The point was, they were in the presence of, of greatness, if you will. Now, please, don't leap too far. I'm not comparing concert violinists to Jesus. But they were in the presence of something powerful, significant, gifted, and they didn't know it. They walked right by. Uh, a few weeks ago, those of you who are country music fans, um, Keith Urban did the same thing on the streets of Nashville, on Broadway. If you've been to the streets of Nashville, you know, you got all those, all those bars and those honky-tonks and people are moving in to listen to music. Keith Urban put on a long wig and he sat there and played and people walked right on by. They were going to, they were going to listen to bands play his music. And they, they didn't stop to listen to the one who wrote it and recorded it because they didn't know. I wouldn't have either. I mean, because if you've been to Nashville, there's musicians on every corner. There's musicians everywhere in Nashville. But, but the point is, they just didn't know. Well, that, that's similar to what's happening here. The disciples just don't realize who is in the boat with them. And, and we need to recognize that. Because here's, here's the the obvious truth, which is a truth I don't even need to say because you know this. We all face it one day. All will face it one day. I sat there this, this, this week with eight wonderful, wonderful young ladies, young middle school students, confirmands, just a fun group. And, uh, you know, we talk about issues of faith 
and as we've done it so much. And some of these, some of these kids have already started to experience some of the storms of life because it happens early. What I know as I look into their eyes is even if they've been blessed at this point to have a pretty calm and charmed life, that, that it'll come. It'll come. That's not pessimism. That's not me wishing it. It's just the reality. We face storms. They come in different ways and different struggles and different challenges, but we all face them in our lives, in our relationships, in our careers, in our endeavors, in our churches. You know, they come. So it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. But the question for us is when they come, do we recognize who's in the boat with us? Do we recognize who's in the boat with us? Because what happens is that so often we can say it becomes a matter of perspective. This is the mistake that the disciples made. They were focused on the storm. They were worried about the wind. They were worried about the waves, understandably. But they never focused on the Messiah who was right there in the boat with them. Why was Jesus sleeping? Because he wasn't worried. Because he knew this will rock the boat. It may make things a little uncomfortable for a little while, but we're going to be fine because I'm here. They, they were focused on the wrong way. Are we focused on the right way? Do we recognize? That doesn't mean that Jesus instantly calms the storms and, and, and the, the waves. Sometimes we have to go through that. But do we remember that he's with us in the midst of it. We talked this weekend with the kids. We were doing um, some Methodism history, some Methodist history. And um, I know some of you know, some of you don't know the, the kind of the, some of the history of our denomination, but um, the, the kids were, were very fascinated to know that um, our denomination was built on the movement of John and Charles Wesley. And they, it was like a light bulb went up. Oh, that's why we have a Wesley room. And then it was like, does every church have to have a Wesley room? I'm like, no, but we have one. And uh, so we were, we were talking about that. And one of the, the videos that we watched talked about um, the trip that John and Charles made to America. They were Anglicans, if you don't know. In 1736, they came to Savannah for John to do ministry and mission work with the Native Americans. A lot different story, but it didn't go well for them. But it was on the way over, and this is before his spiritual awakening, on the way over, this, the boat that they were in, the ship that they were traveling on, was overcome by a storm. And Charles Wesley, I'm sorry, John Wesley, was panicking. He was scared to death, and he was doing exactly what the disciples were doing. He's scrambling around, looking for shelter, praying that they don't die in the storm. On that ship were a group of, of Moravians, German Christians, Moravians. And, and while the rest of the ship and, and everybody panicked, the, the Moravians had a prayer service. And they worshipped. And their children worshipped. And there was a calmness. And there was a peace. And there was a trust that just overwhelmed John West. In fact, it grieved him. Because he didn't feel that. And they went to him. And said, why are you so calm? He said, because we have Jesus as our Savior. It was almost like a matter of fact. Like, why wouldn't you? Because when the storm raged, they focused on Jesus. That didn't mean that bad things couldn't happen, but they knew they were secure. Jesus would give them promise. His presence was with them then and always. It is the peace that passes understanding. That's what Paul talks about. Because it makes no sense. But they have held first to that promise. In fact, in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
The problem is we become fixed on the world and we forget about the one who is at work within us. That becomes our challenge. That becomes my challenge. That's what faith is, keeping focus on Jesus in the midst of the storm, holding fast to his promises. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I am with you to the very ends of the earth. The things that Jesus promises us are the things that we hold on to. That's what it means to have faith. doesn't mean that it always makes sense. Certainly not always means it's places we want to be, but we remember when we're in those places, we're not alone. There was a woman who had a reputation in her community as a woman of great faith, a woman who, whenever life got tough, she just weathered it with grace and dignity, and there was another woman who heard her story, and she wanted to seek her. She wanted to know and to have that kind of peace and that kind of faith and that kind of trust, and so she looked her up, and she found her, and she went to her, and she said, you're the woman that I've heard about, the woman of great faith. And she looked at her and said, no, I'm not. She said, I'm a woman of little faith in a great God. I'm a woman of little faith in a great God. That's that's what it's like to have little faith. When the storms come and the boat rocks and the waves crash, where your eyes go, look at Jesus. He's with you. The one who has command over the winds and the waves is the one who speaks truth into our lives. Hold fast to that. Hold fast to him and know he is with you. We are people sometimes of little faith, but in a great God. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for your um, promises, for your presence. There are times we do cry out, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Help us to hear the assurance that you speak to us, that you do, that you love us, and that you are with us. And in those moments, when the winds are raging, and the waves are crashing, and the the sea is churning, help us to be focused on Jesus, who's with us, and speaks peace and promise into the midst of our storms and chaos. We pray this is the evidence of our faith, in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.